In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus did many amazing things in the course of his ministry. I'm not sure which one you particularly would focus on, but he did all kinds of amazing things. So uh, you might pick uh, changing water into wine, um, especially if you know Scripture, because that's a sign of the fulfillment of the Messianic age. You might pick uh, feeding the 4,000 and, and, and then the 5,000 as well, two separate occasions, right? Uh, you might pick casting out demons and healing all manners of diseases, things like that. Uh, you might pick uh, walking on the water. You might pick commanding the wind and the waves, raising the dead. Of course, uh, suffering and dying and come, coming back to life. But now you have this, right? You have the ascension. Now this. <laughs> Imagine being present at Christ's ascension. You ever think about it, actually watching Jesus go into heaven? I mean, really think about it and what it means. You can imagine the disciples there who are gathered, fixing their eyes on the Savior, much like little children who have a helium balloon and let it go, and up it goes. And there's questions. <laughs> Where's that balloon going to end up? How high is that thing going to go? What's going to happen? And uh, that kind of came to my mind because I don't know if it was in connection with Ascension. It's been a long time ago since I was in grade school. But when I was growing up at Emmanuel Lutheran in St. Charles, uh, we used to, around this time of year, release helium balloons. And they had notes on them. They had notes on them with our first name, our grade, and the school's address, and there was a little card there that encouraged people to begin correspondence, and where did you find the balloon, tell us stuff about you, and you know, write back, and people did, sometimes. And we all kind of waited to see if someone would, would write back, and find the balloon, write back to you, and then you'd write back to them. And I remember that happened one year where I did. I, I heard back. I thought, oh, that's really neat. The next year I didn't, and there was a little bit of disappointment that set in, and it all seemed kind of like an empty exercise then. I don't know if the ascension seems like an empty exercise to you. You know, oh, we're not going to hear back anymore. <laughs> in today's Acts from, uh, text from Acts, excuse me, the disciples watch, right, their Savior disappear into the sky. But the problem is, right, their eyes can only follow him so far. It can only go so far. They will not witness, in many regards, some of the more spectacular, if it can get any better, uh, parts of this event. They will not witness, at least by sight, Christ going up through countless ranks of angels to his rightful place at the Father's right hand, right? part of the Holy Trinity in all of its glorious splendor. They, they can't see that happening. Talk about what a way to end your visible three-year ministry, right? Talk about going out, or maybe I should say going away, going away on a high note. And it was, I'm sure, a bittersweet moment, right? 
They would no longer be able to hear, see, and touch Jesus as they once had, right? Their beloved rabbi, their beloved teacher, their beloved master, their beloved God. And filled with the wonder and and awe of it all, they keep their eyes upward, right? Even after they can't really see him anymore, hoping, uh, just hoping for, for one last glimpse of Jesus, My question is, how long do you think they looked? (laughs) How long were they looking upward, right? How long would you have looked, right? Uh, Those of you who have had to send your children off to college, you know, how long do you kind of, you know, off they go and you kind of, I don't know, in those moments, you know, or or you're saying goodbye to a loved one who's going to be gone for a while, how long would you have looked, Because if we don't hear back from Jesus, then it all seems like an empty exercise. The good news is, among many things, this is not the last time the disciples will see Jesus. The angels have really good news for them. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, right, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Now these witnesses to the resurrection, uh, to the witnesses of of all of the uh, important points of Christ, all of uh, Christ's earthly ministry actually, um, from the baptism of John until the ascension, um, have other voices confirming Christ's own promise, right, that he made uh, while he was with us. So he had referred, this is where this was all going, right? This is where this was all going. And Jesus uh, prepared people for this as just as he prepared them for his suffering, death, and, re- and death, right, and resurrection. So what are some of those places? Well, uh, in John chapter 20, Jesus tells Mary Magdalene this before he does it. I am ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and your God. And Jesus had alluded to This at other times during his ministry, too, um, in John chapter 3 already, right? That's relatively early in John's gospel. He assures Nicodemus, because Nicodemus says, uh, no one can do the signs that you do unless he's from God. You know, Jesus kind of talks and teaches, and he assures Nicodemus that he knows what he's talking about. And why does he know what he's talking about? Here's what he says. Uh, No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. So Jesus came from the Father, and when our Lord would complete his mission to save mankind from their sins and restore fellowship with God, then he would return, right? I don't know what you think about the idea that if Jesus were here visibly, things would be so much easier for us, right? But Jesus taught his disciples, prepared them for the fact that his ascending would not be a bad thing at all. In fact, it would be a very good thing. It would not be something that, an event that would be uh, to their detriment. Uh, it would be for their benefit. So here's what 
Jesus promises before his suffering death in John 16. Okay? Uh, and here's the exchange. Now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Of course. Sorrow has filled your heart. Verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so, of course, he's referring the helper, uh, capital H, uh, is the Holy Spirit. Uh, And Jesus repeats this promise in today's text from Acts after the resurrection. Right. So this is pre-cross. Now he repeats the the promise post-cross, post-resurrection. All right, so he repeats this from Acts after the resurrection. Uh, When he presented himself alive, right? So uh, he presents himself alive after that Easter over the course of 40 days, speaking about the kingdom of God, right? Many, many times. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, right? Sending the helper. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And we'll be celebrating that next week, Pentecost. So Martin Luther has uh, some advice for you as Christians, right? Um, Always good advice. So here's what he says. He said, we must conceive, therefore, of Christ's ascension and lordship as something that's active. All right, It's not something in the past, something that's active, energetic, it's continuous, and must not imagine that he sits above while we hold the reins down here. In other words, that Christ is passive, right? He's just kind of relaxing on his throne, eating grapes. I don't know, whatever you picture, I have no idea. He preached this in uh, 1523. He ascended... Luther says that for the reason that there he can do his best work and exercise dominion. I don't know. I think the ascension is bittersweet for us as well. We long to see Jesus, hear Jesus, touch Jesus, just as the disciples did, uh, to live, um, to have him so close to us, at least in a, in a, ta- a tangible way. But again, Jesus promises us, that he will not leave us as orphans, that he will not leave us or forsake us. He promises that he will still come to us and be with us and abide with us, right? Jesus is ascended. We confess that. Right? That's part of our creed. Uh, Jesus is ascended, but Jesus is not gone, right? We need to take that to heart. We do take that to heart if we, if we hear Christ's promise. Jesus is ascended, but Jesus is not gone. Here's the thing. Think about this for a minute. Had Jesus remained in visible form, he could have been in multiple places at once, no question. Uh, but seeing him in that way um, might make us think that our Lord's attention is divided, Right? It doesn't seem to work. He's here and he's here. Well, is he really? Therefore, Luther continues, our Lord made it possible for him to be in touch with all. To reign in all. To preach to all. To be heard by all. And to be with all. 
Therefore, beware, lest you imagine within yourself that he is gone and now is far away from you. The very opposite is true. (laughs) The very opposite is true. While he was on earth, he was far away from us, but now he is very near. So what's Luther mean by that? Well, uh, you've got what's called the scandal of the particular. Okay? That's just fancy talk. I'll, <laughs> don't worry. So think about it. Uh, Jesus is born in, in Bethlehem, right? A very specific place, very specific time. Uh, he grows up in Nazareth, right? Uh, does his ministry, uh, not over here, <laughs> in ancient Palestine, ancient Near East. That's the scandal of the particular. In his humiliation, in other words, uh, of course he's divine, uh, he's not using his, his full divinity, he's not using his full power. Uh, in his humiliation, he is in one place. But now, exercising his full divinity, he's not limited by his full humanity, and, and that is uh, how he is very near to us in his ascension. Take heart. Be of good cheer. Rejoice. Yes, we receive our ascended Lord and his lordship and dominion over us by faith. But he's there. But we receive it by faith. So take heart in his promises. Although we see confusion, right, from the disciples about what Jesus would ultimately accomplish, uh, right, expecting the restoration of the earthly kingdom of Israel, Jesus addresses them, assuring that the restoration will take place, but not in an earthly way, in a heavenly way. But Jesus doesn't dismiss the idea of a restoration of Israel. He confirms it. And he reframes it. And so how will this happen? Right, Not through the sword. Not through military might, but through, not through the military sword, but through the sword of the word, right? So he reframes it, the restoration of Israel. It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. But, and then Acts 1.8 comes. You should know this by heart, by the way. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. This is how the restoration of Israel will happen. Jesus, the man of heaven, will do heavenly things that transcend all earthly rule and dominion and borders and all these kind of things. No longer exercising power and authority and might through the scandal of the particular, Jesus will pour out his gifts fully and completely and powerfully through the means of grace that he has established throughout the entire earth. He sends out those who saw, who heard, who touched to those who did not so that they might believe. By the words of the apostles, the one who carry the words of Jesus and the authority of Jesus, God's covenant people grow. Israel grows. God's promises become fulfilled, not in earthly things, but 
in heavenly things. Not in an earthly ruler, but in the man of heaven, Jesus Christ. By faith, we know this. And the apostles did too. Luke's record of the ascension in his gospel, it's brief. But it also paints a picture of faith, of joyous expectation. Right? So here's what Luke records. And Jesus led them out as far as Bethany. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. Right? So, so Luke's um, account is a lot different in his gospel uh, than it is in, his, in the book of Acts because he's got different emphases. Okay? So Jesus led them out as far as Bethany, lifting up his hands and blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. They worshipped him. Right? Sorry, Dan Brown. Uh, Jesus wasn't elevated <laughs> to godhood at the Council of Nicaea. All right? They worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And, and were continually in the temple, blessing God. To bless means to say a good word about, to speak a good word of, to talk well of. We certainly can do that. We certainly can do that today. We can bless God. We can bless God because He has blessed us. He has blessed you through Christ's ascension. As we leave today at this wonderful, wonderful occasion observing this, as you leave this place, remember that Christ's ascension is a festival day, a day to be hallowed forever. day when our risen Lord rose in the heavens to reign over His kingdom in full glory, power, and dominion. And we remember He will return the same way that He went up. We know that Jesus always keeps His promises. Amen. Now may the grace that surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.